Benedict XVI has published his apostolic letter called Porta Fidei, or Door of Faith in English. This document officially calls for the Year of the Faith. Greetings, this is Father Jeffrey Kirby. And this is Valerie Soup. And we are opening the Porta Fidei. The Door of Faith, the show that explores the Catechism of the Catholic Church in light of this Year of Faith. In our show today, we're going to be discussing number 166 and the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And, and, you know, Valerie, as we're looking at 166, I am amazed at how many people ask the question, which I'm going to ask you now. Okay. Valerie, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Yes, Father Kirby, I do. What? I know. But I thought you were Catholic. <laughs> yes, we as Catholics can say and should be able to say that we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Really? Really? <laughs> I'm very surprised by this. I'm joking, of course. Explain, please. Yes. We're joking about this because we live here in the Bible Belt. I mean, it is a wonderful place to live. I love the South. But we often hear our Protestant brothers and sisters talking about this personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and they really emphasize that, which is wonderful. But sometimes the way in which they emphasize it and the way that they talk about it can sometimes be different from perhaps how Catholics talk about it. But unfortunately, I think there are a lot of Catholics out there who don't understand or who don't realize that, yes, we are called to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I am reminded of Pope Emeritus Benedict the Sixteenth and his first encyclical. Uh oh, bringing in the big guns. Okay, <laughs> oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Um, this is one of my favorite quotes from him. So his first encyclical, Deus Caritas Est, God is Love, and he says, "Being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with a person. Wow. The encounter with a person." That then gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. Wow. So it's a life-changing wow. encounter with a person. If you have a life-changing encounter with a person, you have a personal relationship with that person. And, of course, that person is Jesus Christ. Absolutely. You know, Valley, I'm very glad to hear you say that. And, of course, we are joking earlier in the show about whether as Catholics we can say we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, because of course we do. Yeah. You know, as, as you were just reading from- We uh, eat him. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like, you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know. I eat his flesh and drink his blood. Right? Exactly. Sounds pretty personal to me, you know? Yeah. But I, I, I also agree. I think that so oftentimes Catholics are just so hesitant to say that. Mm. And I think sometimes it, it catches us off guard first, because maybe in, in our popular jargon as Catholics, we- tend not to use that language or we're caught off guard with the way it's asked. But as Catholics, we should be bold and definitely tell all humanity and especially other Christians who who are not Catholic that, yes, of course, of course, we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and begin to explain that mm. in all its depth. In number 166 of the Catechism, it tells us right from the beginning, faith is a what? A personal act. Hallelujah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Faith is a personal act. And then it goes on to explain exactly what it means. Mm. Yeah. So here, you know, the catechism is talking about faith and going into what is faith. Um, so we have faith as a personal act, that it's the free response. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Free. I'm confused <laughs> by this. I, Yeah, I, I was given the faith by my parents. Uh, I think maybe a lot of Catholics mm. that I, I think we need to come to a screeching halt here for a second. Um, free. What was it? Free response. Free response. What would you say to the cultural Catholic out there? I think maybe 
that's a big part. You mentioned the new evangelization. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of Catholics just kind of do it because, well, that's what we've always done or that's how I was raised. Mm-hmm. But this free response you're talking about, I, I really think that's the first thing that has to be stressed, that this really is a free, we have to realize what we've been given by our parents, by our community of faith, by the shepherds of the church and say, is this going to become a part of me? I think it really has to be a free response. Agreed. And it is that free response, because if we're talking about it being a personal encounter, a personal relationship, when you're in a relationship, if somebody is being forced into that relationship or if they're not freely choosing to be in that relationship, then it's just it's not authentic. There's there's this type of action or integration or dynamism if it's yeah. lacking it's like are it's you, like are you're you? just going through the motions and there's no life behind it yes yeah, like get involved come on you yeah know? So does this mean anything to you let's yeah. go you know absolutely a free response and then of course that that free part is, is very important and, and I'm, I'm glad we're stressing that and then of course a response which leads us to response the next to who part. exactly <laughs> yes 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 and and the fact that god is the one who initiates. Mm. And that is amazing that whenever we feel this call to faith, called to prayer, called to virtue, that it is a response. We're not giving that to ourselves. We're, we can be pretty good. I mean, God made us good, but we're not that good. <laughs> you know, like yeah. God is the one who initiates and calls us. And faith is a personal act and a free response to the initiative of God. And the catechism goes on to say, who reveals himself. Now we've talked a lot in this show about that revelation of God. God's revelation is about love and about relationship. Mm-hmm. And faith is exactly about those as well. Yeah. As we've been going through this show and we've been talking about how God reveals himself, what is our response to that? To God revealing himself to us, what is our response? And our response is faith. Absolutely. Or for some people, maybe it's taking a nap. I don't know. <laughs> you know, but we're going to wake you up with the Porta Fide, yeah. okay? You know, and we are glad you joined us for Porta Fide, the show that looks at the Catechism of the Catholic Church. We're looking at number 166 and talking about faith. It's a personal act, it's a free response to the initiative of God who reveals himself. And, Val, you asked that great question what are we doing with that revelation? And I hope our listeners aren't taking a nap. I hope I'm not taking a nap. Mm-hmm. You know, Valerie, wake up over there. <laughs> <laughs> I have my coffee. But, don't worry. Exactly. Right. There you go. And she does too. What is that, a venti? <laughs> okay. No. Yeah. But no, we have to respond with that gift of faith. Yeah. And that is so important. But you know, what I love about the catechism is right we begin to understand faith and we start going down one path. Isn't it great how the the teachings of the church and Christ just kind of twist them in a different direction. Because mm-hmm. right when we're starting getting comfortable with, yeah, yeah, it's a personal act, then the catechism throws this at us in number 166. But faith is not an isolated act. Mm-hmm. I love the church because it's never either or, it's always both and. Faith is both a personal act. And then here it's saying in the negative, it's not an isolated act. So the positive of that would be that it's an act that happens in community. So it's both a personal act and an act that happens in community. Wait a minute. Wait, are you trying to tell me <laughs> that, first of all, you threw this whole personal thing to me, that the Catholic Church confirms that we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, Valerie, are you telling me that then the Catholic Church is also saying that it's about community? That's right. Maybe some of our listeners are intrigued by this. You go to a Catholic Church, you walk in, and I don't know if most people say, well, I had such an experience of community. What do you think? Oh, we have to laugh at ourselves. We have to laugh. And this topic makes me a little sad because 
we drink some more coffee. <laughs> <laughs> we do not, as Catholics, I think we have to take an honest look and say that we do not always do a good job at this aspect of the Christian life, that God made us to live in community and he made faith something to be shared. And just as we were made to live in community, so in the same way, our faith demands to be lived in community. But if you walk into your average Catholic parish in America, if you're a new person and you don't know many people, it can be a very lonely place and yes. you don't necessarily get a sense of community. Yeah. You know, I've been intrigued with that myself. First of all, just as a member of the church and of course, as, as a priest of, of the church as well. And I, I've read some things and, and really tried to understand that because most Catholics, mm-hmm. once you get beyond that, tend to be very generous, mm-hmm. very inviting, very friendly, and all kinds of things I've looked at. And, and you know, some sociologists will say, well, it's because the Catholic Church is so focused on family. Mm-hmm. So families come to Mass and so on. Or because of history where the, once the parish was the center of community life in the sense of, you know, all the kids went to Catholic school, dad was in the Knights of Columbus, mom was in the altar society, and, mm-hmm. and the parish was just a part of of life. So mm-hmm. at mass, there was no need to go the extra mile or, mm-hmm. you know, go out of one's comfort zone because there was a community that was beyond the mm-hmm. liturgical celebration. And of course, that's not the case anymore. We're, we're a mobile society. Things are moving fast. People are coming and going. Families now, it's amazing. Mom and dad might go to one mass and then one teenager go to another mass and, and so on. So families aren't even necessarily going to the same mass mm-hmm. together anymore because of commitments or various things that are going on. So I agree. I think we have some real work to do in this area. I think some Catholic churches are waking up, some Catholic parishes rather, are waking up and are trying to be more community minded. Um, But we can see examples and we know that it's possible. And we as Christians should be those people who are reminding society at large that we need community and we thrive in community. Absolutely. I think that this whole move of Radical individualism Mm -hmm. where the sovereign self, I do what I want, when I want, however I want. Don't bother me. Don't overstep my self-imposed barriers. And I'm going to live by myself or do whatever I want. And and you're right. That that is just, first of all, that's death to healthy living. That's death to civil society. And that could even be death to someone's faith because we, as you were stressing, Valerie, we are called to community, first of all, by our human nature, and then more importantly, by our faith. Our mm-hmm. faith is meant to be lived. And I know that, you know, in, in our Catholic parishes, we didn't have to do that in the past, mm-hmm. but we definitely have to do it now. And as you're saying, some some parishes are doing great. Like in my travel sometimes in, in vocations ministry, I go to some parishes and they now have greeters that welcome me at the door. They have, you know, invitations, like little notes and stuff you can fill out. And they, the parish sends you things. Um, people ask for offerings of prayers and so on. So Parishes are beginning to move in the direction, realizing, wow, like people really are mobile. And if we're going to share the faith, then believing needs belonging. Mm -hmm. And we have to give an invitation for people to belong to our community. And I think number 166 kind of pushes us in that direction. In fact, I think earlier today we were preparing for the show, you were kind of bragging about one of the lines of 166. You should have seen it. It was embarrassing at the restaurant. She was just screaming and yelling about this. I was not. Don't (laughs) believe him for a second. Yeah, we were looking at the middle of 166, and so there's this great sentence that says, 
you have not given yourself faith as you have not given yourself life. And I just remember the first time I read that and I was like, yeah, you did not give yourself life. And in the same way, you did not give yourself faith. That's we good. forget That's that good. sometimes. Yes. yes. You know, and, and Valerie, we were talking about this uh, when we were preparing for the show. And I mentioned that there was a shift in the uh, way that the catechism is worded here. And mm. I, I was kind of caught off guard in that most of the catechism will describe the human person has not given himself life. But here we actually see a direct address. It's a great literary observation and that most of the catechism is written in the third person. But here we have the catechism speaking directly to us using you. It takes on a different tone and it just becomes much more pointed. Yes, because Valerie, you did not give yourself faith as you have not given yourself life. You got that? It feels like an exhortation. <laughs> yeah, it's an exactly. exhortation. Exactly. It's mm -hmm. like, wow, what am I doing with that? Mm -hmm. In conversations about uh, this particular uh, number of the Catechism, number 166, which we use sometimes in our discernment groups for men and women who are thinking about the priesthood of religious life or just discerning God's will in general. And this particular passage, though, is very important because most people, we just take so much for granted. It's like, gosh, where did I receive my faith? Obviously, God has given it as a gift to humanity. But where have I received my faith? And for a lot of people, it's like, wow, you know, it really was my parents. You know, or my family or and or teachers and coaches even, you know, and mm -hmm. priests and various things. So people begin to realize, wow, there are a lot of people <laughs> kind of involved yes. in giving me my faith. Now, that doesn't take away from what we were talking about earlier. It's still a personal act because we can receive a lot that we don't accept. Yes. But here, a lot's been poured into us to make this gift of faith a reality. And we have to accept it. We still have mm -hmm. to make it a personal act. But it's a personal act in the midst of a community. And I think what you're saying at the beginning of the show, that's probably where most Catholics get thrown off when Protestant Christians ask the question. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not sure if the Protestant mindset sees it within that communal aspect as much as we do. Classical Protestant theology, just in a sense right. of, if we could summarize it, it would be more like, for example, me and Jesus. Yeah. And so, obviously, Protestant communities might have vibrant communities, but I don't know theologically if they would see it yes. as well as maybe whereas the Protestant view might be me and Jesus. In the Catholic Church, we would say we and Jesus. Yes. That, that has that community aspect. It's interesting with this theological difference because lived out, we see it lived out in Protestant communities exactly. so vibrantly. Yes. So explain that to me. Very confusing. Very interesting. And I see what you're saying, Father Kirby, and I'm just thinking about the Mass and how the Mass is communal act of worship that's at the same time a personal act, but very much an act in communion, the liturgy being the work of the church, the people. I was recently speaking to a group of, of adults and talking about the Mass and talking about that word that I love, anamnesis, that um, great Hebrew word, is it, Father? Greek, one yeah, of those. He, yeah, one of those. One yeah. of, one of those ancient I can't, languages. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> nice, because he's making a joke because anamnesis is to remember, but not in the way that we think of it. It's like this remembering something so to make it present. And we're talking about the Eucharist and we were talking about how when you receive the Eucharist at Mass, that suddenly, because in that moment, you are being joined with the body of Christ in a mystical, real way. 
in that moment, you are joined with Christ himself, but then with the whole body of Christ and not just with those who are here living on the earth, but with the church and glory, with all the saints in heaven, with the angels, suddenly there at the foot of the cross with the Virgin Mary and the Apostle John and but also Pope John Paul II and St. Thomas Aquinas and, you know, my grandmother and everybody. As you said, it's we, the community, the body of Christ and Jesus. How can we better live that out and make that reality more apparent? Absolutely. Well, I think you've just asked a million-dollar question. And, and honestly, Valerie, I think you've probably asked one of the essential questions that is motivating the new evangelization. Yeah. You know, how can we now compensate for what we've not had to worry about in the past? Mm. And how can we more creatively live out what is true and what are essential aspects of our faith? Because of, the catechism is not done with us. The catechism goes on in 166 to say that each believer is a link in the great chain of believers. Now, that's just amazing because so oftentimes we want to believe that we're just our own little link out there floating around. Yeah. And suddenly it's like, wait a minute, we really are connected Yes, Father Kirby, that's so important. If any of our listeners are just joining us, we want to remind you that this is the show Porta Fidei. I'm Valerie Soup. And I'm Father Jeff Kirby. And we're looking at the Catechism of the Catholic Church. We're looking at number 166 and talking about faith. And we're just talking about this idea that each one of us is a link in the chain of believers. So we're not just, as you said, Father Kirby, floating around by ourselves. I'm flying, floating. (laughs) Going on in paragraph 166, it says, speaking in first person here, I cannot believe without being carried by the faith of others. And by my faith, I help support others in the faith. Okay, you know what? That was a bombshell right there. <laughs> right there. Ladies and gentlemen, you experienced a bombshell on this show, Porta today with that quote. I cannot believe without being carried by the faith of others. Hmm. What do you think of that? Yeah, I immediately think of some people who who don't go to church because they say that they can just have their faith on their own. I'm like, no, you can't. No, no. I mean, that shakes me a little bit. I mean, that is an incredible declaration yeah. of community, of interconnectedness, of reliability, mm. of vulnerability mm-hmm. that we don't like. There's a part of us as Westerners, as Americans, and we hear that. So wait a minute. Are you saying that my faith cannot carry itself, but that I rely on the faith of others? And I'd say, look, I'm not saying that. I'm just echoing what the church says, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because I struggle with that, too, because we want to be on our own. We want to be independent. But wait a minute. This personal act now is back in the community of faith. My faith depends on the faith of others. It's very humbling. Oh, man. And especially when we think that. I can believe whatever I want. Yeah. I can do whatever I want. No, like there is a faith. There is a revelation given to us. And we rely. We need each other. I was in like a discipleship group and they were talking about how to grow in your faith. And there was this great phrase that said, every person needs a Paul and a Timothy. And so we think about that relationship between St. Paul and St. Timothy, yes. where Paul was oh, teaching and mentoring Timothy. So we each need a St. Paul to mentor us, somebody who their faith supports our faith. But then we also need a Timothy, a St. Timothy, somebody that we can support, that we can mentor and help grow. Yes, that's powerful. That de- definitely illustrates that, that we're each a link in the great chain of believers. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can be the weak weak link, mm-hmm. and we don't like that, but maybe that's possible. And perhaps some of our listeners are, are in points or areas of their life where they're struggling with faith, but mm-hmm. You know, we need the community. We come to the community of faith, to the church. You know, Sunday Mass is 
And we come in order to allow our faith to be carried by others. And as you're stressing with St. Paul and St. Timothy, also let our faith be a source of inspiration and encouragement and strength to others. Mm -hmm. This is a great mystery that we call just being the church, being alive and active. And I've enjoyed number 166 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. I I think it kind of hits the heart and kind of makes us broaden that heart a little Mm bit. I agree, Father Kirby. I think it's really, it's just, it's very beautiful. And it's a beautiful reflection of God himself in the Trinity of that communion of persons and how he himself lives community. And that's how he's created us. If there's any of our listeners who are perhaps away from the community of faith, who've been making that personal act, but they need the community life, come home. You know, Every Catholic church is open every Sunday, every day. We invite you to come home. Yes. And for those of us who are a part of that community of believers, but wondering, how do I get more involved? How maybe I have been, you know, letting my faith be more of a personal thing, but I haven't been getting as involved. I don't really have that community. What do I do? What are some ways that I can get involved? Sometimes we have to seek them out. I think it's easy for us to to feel shy or to feel even insecure about trying to seek out those opportunities, or even sometimes we underestimate what we have to offer. But each one of you has a gift, and each one of you is a member of the body of Christ. Each one of you is a member of the church, and God is calling you to some specific task, some specific mission. He's calling you to share what he has given you with others. And we, and we want to say it, we want to stress it in the parish church, in the community of faith. Like There, there are programs, Bible studies, men's groups, women's groups, Knights of Columbus. There are those groups, and those are important in the life of a parish. That's one way to get involved. Come to a Bible study or maybe sit in RCIA either because you're not Catholic, but you want to know what the Catholic Church teaches, or you are Catholic, but you need a refresher course. You yeah, know? a refresher, and also to be inspired by these people who are falling in love with the Catholic Church. Absolutely. Huge, huge, huge. So those programs, but beyond that, and, mm. and something that, that you were just talking about, Valerie, is that we need programs, but also like our community cannot just be programs. Yeah. Do you know? So, for example, I heard this great story some time ago about this large Catholic family in one of our parishes here in South Carolina. They always sat in the same place at at their ma- their mass. You know, right? <laughs> Which I think is so great because people who come in as guests, I feel bad for them because really are assigned seats. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like self assigned seats. Sometimes when I'm going to know? a parish as a visitor, and I'm aware of that, and I'm like, oh, I hope I don't sit in somebody's seat. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, you know, and there's one family, they sat in their assigned seats, self-assigned seats. And through the years, uh-huh. the older woman who sat two pews behind them, she said that it was such a great sight because through the years she was able to see these children grow. Wow. And she really felt like she was a part of their life. Yeah. Now, this is a woman who joined them for Sunday worship, maybe said hello a few times here or there. But really, just being there and worship together, she really felt a part of this family and praying for this family. And then... There were some difficulties in that family, and she was able to step in and provide some help with babysitting and help with food and various things of that sort. And that's where neighbor has to help neighbor. If there's a Catholic family out there and you see a young family, invite them to dinner. Yes. Say, hey, how you doing? We're the Smiths. We see you're you're new in our parish, or, you know, we've noticed you at this Mass. Like, we'd love to have you join us for for Sunday brunch or, or, you know, dinner one evening. Could you come over? Or... You know, what about the crying baby? Haven't we all been in that situation? Okay. And I'm the guy up at the front in the funny clothes at the altar, okay? <laughs> Let me tell you, crying babies. It's like, okay, here we go. But I'll tell you, Valley, one of the most remarkable things I saw one time visiting a parish was 
It was this crying baby. That kid was screaming. I'll tell you, he was either possessed or Pentecostal. I'm not sure. Either good or bad. I'm not sure. And they were just going crazy. And everyone else, and I'm embarrassed to say even myself, we just had that look like, get that kid out of here. You know what I mean? Like, you know. And from about four or five views behind this crying baby, and I really don't know why the parents did not take the baby out. They probably just wore out. And about four or five views behind this crying baby, this middle-aged woman came over and offered to hold the baby for this young mother. And it was the most powerful act of charity and community of faith that I've seen in some time. It was just completely spontaneous, so selfless. And I thought, as I was humbled, that's what it means to be a Christian. Yeah, That's what it means because... You know, these young families, they come, they have crying babies. It's hard. That kind of just spontaneous personal outreach has to be a mark of our faith. Yeah. We see a need and we think, oh, well, somebody else will do it. It's like, no, you do it. You go meet that need. Absolutely. And and I encourage members of the church, let's, let's step it up. Yep. Let's let's fix it. Because even earlier in this show, Valerie, we were talking about, yeah, Catholic parishes, we need to grow and so on. That does not mean you wait for the priest or the religious sisters to tell you how it's supposed to change. Amen. You know, it's like we are members of the church. If you see a young family, invite them to dinner. You know, young adults, it is a miracle if we see young adults in our parishes. And for the parish community not to reach out to them, whether it's for meals or whether it's whatever it might be, you know, like to reach out. And and I'm I'm amazed sometimes even some of our parishes... (laughs) And it's so great. Like when people even refuse to give the sign of peace, you know, mm. and, and not just because maybe somebody's sick, but, you know, they're just like grumpy. It's like, okay, um, maybe he's having a bad day. Yeah. But, but we really have to get over that as a church because the church cannot be grumpy. Yeah. We can't be turned in on ourselves. We need to be turned out. And the thing is, is yes, sure, it might be a sacrifice to reach out and to meet needs and to go out to meet other people and welcome them into your homes or whatever it may be. But we also know we will only find happiness in self-gift. That is the only place where we find true fulfillment. And so if you make that effort to give of yourself, you actually will be the the recipient of great graces and you will find happiness and such fulfillment in doing even the smallest act for somebody else because that's what we were made for. Something finds its fulfillment when it's doing what it was made to do. And yes. we as people, we were made to give of ourselves. Wait a minute, though. Are you, <laughs> are you saying and are we saying that there is no comfort zone allowed in the church? <laughs> because I'd say that, Valerie. Okay, let's go for it. I think say, Pope Francis would definitely say it. I, I would say if you're comfortable, we've got some problems. There cannot be a comfort zone if you're going to be a member of the church. Yeah. That, you know, you're sitting there, you see this young family, you see these young adults, it's awkward, it's uncomfortable, what do I do? Or you see somebody who's dressed inappropriately? Yes, yes, you know, and, and, you know, like, whatever it might be, either because of maybe immodesty or whether it's because of, you know, dirtiness or, or, Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. Absolutely, like, we cannot allow ourselves to be entrapped, and I say that, entrapped. Mm-hmm. In the comfort zone, we have to reach out. There was one pastor I was, was visiting his parish. He said the the best program that they ever had in the parish, mm-hmm. and pastors usually don't speak like that, but he said the best one was begun by young families mm-hmm. who, after Mass, arranged for an hour in the playground at the parish uh-huh. playground uh-huh. for young families to come and to just be together. 
And it's amazing. After the Mass, the last Mass on Sunday, all these kids are there. <laughs> and then, of course, all the parents are standing there talking and so on. He said it was the greatest fellowship, greatest program program right. that they started. It really wasn't a program at all. It was just saying, hey, we're all going to be at the playground after the last Mass, and why don't you bring your kids and let's all get together. And there it is. It's so simple. Yes. And it is so important mm -hmm. for us, especially as we've discussed this in, in previous shows, that trend of secularism is around. Mm -hmm. We need each other. Man, I was just reading this article that was excellent. It was an article on a blog of a Catholic mom writing very honestly and speaking about the challenges of living out the church's teaching, especially when it you know, was regarding family and sexuality. And so she has a big family. And she was talking about how isolating that can be. She was describing a situation in the grocery store where she met a lady and she just had two of her children with her. And the lady was asking, oh, so, you know, are these your only two? And she's like, well, no, I actually have six more at home, you know. <laughs> and the lady's face suddenly is just like goes from being really nice to just kind of shock and almost disgust of like, well, why would you do that? With this trend of secularism and just the way that our society is today to really live out the church's teaching can feel isolating. And all the more we need each other. We need that support. Absolutely. It is not weird to live the Christian way of life. Yeah. But the perception of weirdness can be there if we try to do it by ourselves. Yeah. Like we need the community. Believing mm -hmm. needs belonging. Mm hmm we want to thank you all for joining us for our show today, Porta Fide. We've been discussing number 166 and kind of rocking the boat a little bit, huh? <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, I hope uh, we gave you some things to think about. Yes, and we are definitely hoping you join us next week for our next episode as we continue our discussion of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And may the Lord bless and keep you. And have a peaceful day. This is Father Jeff Kirby. You can reach me at charlestonvocations.com as well as on Facebook, also Charleston Vocations. Hope you visit our website or visit us on Facebook. Thanks. And this is Valerie Soup. You can reach me at the website catholicyoungadultsofsc.com. That's catholicyoungadultsofsc for South Carolina.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter.